Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Genesis chapter 21 is where I'm drawing your attention today. I want to look at verse 9, and then we'll jump down. We'll read a few more before you're seated here this morning. We understand that this is a unique place in the life of Abraham and Sarah. We've been talking this month about the promises of God on Wednesday night. And it seems like for this last Sunday, the Lord has just kind of dovetailed this concept into what I'm doing this morning and uh, seeking the Lord this week again for this service. And it was so clear, the narrative, so just so clear, the narrative and what the Lord wants to speak about. And so we're at this unique place in the life of Abraham and Sarah where she has been offered a promise. They have a promise from God that a child is coming to them in their old age. Once the flesh was unable to produce in Sarah was when the promise would come to pass. But they shortchanged this. And Sarah has sent Abraham to the maidservant, Hagar. And we do, in fact, have a child that is born. Everyone say Ishmael. That's right, Ishmael is born. I cannot hardly imagine the dynamics of that scenario. Scary. You ever thought you had a good idea until you did it? (laughs) Not so good. Verse 9. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had born unto Abraham. Mocking. Everyone say mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son. Not, not, not with Isaac. He will not be equal with, with the promise. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight. Because of what? His son. You can become attached to that which you produce out of the will of God. Mm -hmm. And God said unto Abraham, let it not be grievous in thy sight. Because of the lad, 
and because of the bondwoman. In all that Sarah hath said unto thee. It's what every wife in the room wants to hear. The Lord said, your wife is right. I asked the Lord if he had to put that in there. And all that he responded was hearken unto her voice. For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Here's what I've come to learn. There is no adequate substitute for the supernatural. There is no adequate substitute. Ah, but pastor, we can produce great things. You can even produce living things. But you cannot produce an adequate substitute that can replace in promise the supernatural. Because at the end of the day, there will be one perfect will of God. Oh, I feel my help in this room this morning. I want to preach uh, on this thought, on the heels of our standing on the promises of God series this month. I want to preach always mocking the miracle. Mocking the miracle. I want you to lift your hands in the room with me. I want you to just call on the name of the Lord, would you? This is more than our custom. You heard it from Pastor Lopez briefly before. We, we believe in the power of prayer. Come on, would you pray, Lord, make my mind, make my heart ready to receive from your word. Help me, O oh Lord, to receive. Let me be challenged. Let me be inspired. Let me be instructed. Let me hear, let me receive, let me live out the Word of God. We pray it in Jesus' name. Find someone else before you're seated and tell them there's someone mocking your miracle. Someone mocking your miracle. The year was 1987. The month was September on the second day. It was a seemingly routine flight carrying only 15 passengers. The plane, like the picture you see behind me, was piloted by a man named Henry Dempsey and co-piloted by Paul Butcher. They were on a normal routine flight, only 15 people sitting behind them. But as they took off, Brother Henderson, they heard a noise that seemed abnormal. Taking off was normal. The checks and the systems, the gauges read normal, but the sound was abnormal. And as they took off, the sound got louder, and during mid-flight, it became so overwhelming that pilot Dempsey actually told the co-pilot, I need you to take over. I've got to figure out what that roar is. 
And as he worked his way through the passengers who themselves seemed uncomfortable by the sound of the noise, and he worked his way into the back area of that small plane where only employees could go, he heard the roar, and about the time that he got very near it, he recognized the root of the problem. A back safety latch door had not been completely closed on the plane. And when he went to try and secure it, the force of the air, instead of allowing him to pull it tighter, opened that door the rest of the way. And that pilot was sucked out in midair. There came an initial scream which roused the passengers and made its way to the co-pilot that was flying that airplane. And he went into an emergency landing mode and he began to radio the nearest airport runway. The calls were frantic. The traffic control stepped in and it began to work delicately to bring this plane down in an emergency landing on the heels of understanding something horrific has happened behind us. Pilot Dempsey never made that walk right back up through the passengers like he should have. He never opened that door, although the co-pilot waited anxiously while he went through the mechanics and the necessary routine of bringing this plane down. Under his breath, he prayed, bring him back, let him walk through here. And yet in the back of his mind, that sickening feeling that a mistake from earlier would keep him from returning. And so with everything that he could and all the nerve that he could muster, this co-pilot by the name of Paul Butcher, he, he brings the plane safely to a landing. And when they land, he walks through and the passengers and there is no pilot there. And he goes into the pack and there is no pilot there. And the door has flung open. And his most overwhelming Concern is actualized when he recognizes in terror that his pilot has been pulled out into the air over the Atlantic Ocean. He begins to signal the choppers. He had marked the spot where the, where the roar seemed to come overwhelming and something bad happened, signaling the emergency landing. And, and he had signaled choppers and, 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 and emergency personnel and marked the spot. And the coordinates had been marked. Get them there quickly. Send the coastline. This must be about the approximate area where he fell into the Atlantic. And yet, to the dismay of everyone there, when they crawled off of that airplane, an emergency ladder that had fallen when the door opened had a clinging, how, clinging pilot Dempsey hanging on to it. They said that in the rewatch, when they landed, his head was six inches from hitting the runway. And his words were this, all I knew to do was hang on. The next day, the newspaper showed up to interview them, to which he said, I have no comment. <laughs> Give us something, they said. Give us something. You made it. Give us 
something. He said, then I'll give you this. I'm glad to enjoy the sunrise one more day. Mr. Dempsey, there's no way to make it. What are you doing? I'll do this. I'll hang on. I'll hang on. I'll hang on. I've come to tell someone in this room, hell's worst nightmare is that you just might hang on for the promise that God gave you. God gave you a promise. I've been preaching and teaching about it all month. And hell has tried to convince you to get Hagar involved and come up with a substitute. But I've come to tell you, if you will hang on, the promises of God are sure. They are yea and amen. And he can be trusted. He didn't give you a promise that he does not plan to fulfill. If you heard from God, you can trust in God. He is not a man that he should lie, and he is not slack concerning his promise. Come on, where are my witnesses at in the house right now? You found that you just hung on. I hung on when I felt like giving up. I hung on when I felt like giving in. I hung on when sickness told me to walk away. I hung on when the doctors told me it was over. I just hung on. The devil told me I shouldn't come to church, but I hung on. The devil told me my family shouldn't come back, but I hung on. The enemy of my soul told me it was over, but I hung on. I hung on. I hung on. And I'm telling I'm telling somebody in this room today, you ought to tell the devil, I'm hanging on. I'm hanging on. I'm clinging to the promise of God. Somebody throw your hands towards heaven and tell God I'm holding on. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't cling to a ladder. We cling to the cross. And when we get a hold of the... I know the plane feels out of control. I know life feels overwhelming. But if you'll cling to the cross, you can make it. You can do it. You can get through this. Find somebody, tell them I'm hanging on. I'm hanging on. People all over this building, you're only here because you hung on. All over this building, people that today look real nice. You look at them. If you're not careful, you judge them. Brother Faulkner, I, I look at somebody and I'll say, look at them in their nice suit. You weren't there when... I don't ever want to get so professional Pentecostal that I forget there were days I just had to hang off. I didn't look good. My suit didn't look good. My hair didn't look. I just hung on. I just hung on. I just hung on. I just hung on. People laughed at me. People made fun of me. Come on, who am I talking to right now? They told you you wouldn't amount to anything. They told you you could never, but you just, I just hung on. And you weren't in a free fall out of the sky, but you felt like it. Wasn't an airplane, it was a divorce. 
I'm a real person talking to real people. Uh, we don't say the D word. Real people. Real problems. They weren't there when you had bankruptcy. They see you successful now. But they weren't there. Pull up in your nice car. If I had it as good as them. Come on, there are people in this room today. You are well off. People look at you. You're well off. You weren't. People in this room today. That's why you should never discount someone's praise. Some of the greatest praisers and worshipers I know used to be alcoholics and drug addicts and busted up in perversion and mixed up in all kind of filth. And somebody came and preached the cross to them and they had to cling to the knee. You hear me right now? They had to choose between a needle and the cross. They had to choose between Jack Daniels and the cross. And they were being dragged to the bar, but they clung to the cross. They were being dragged. To... Cling to the cross. Sarah, I got a word. We're going to have a baby. <laughs> really? You ever try to convince someone of something you know is true, but they're not buying it? Brother Herbs, you ever have to teach any kids that are a little bit skeptical? I know that never happens with junior hires or high schoolers. They're not up here. Let's talk about them. This little bit of question, really, to show them in the book, who wrote the book? This little bit of trying to prove something. Trying to convince them. We're going to have a baby. Sarah, I love this story. I've preached about this story. Probably will a thousand more times. It's a beautiful thing. Because God is going to bring them to the point where the flesh can't get credit. The number one reason I've seen Christians along the way get frustrated is because they're trying to have a supernatural move where the flesh still gets credit. We're going to have a baby. <laughs> and God has to get on to Abraham, doesn't he? Why Sarah laugh? I didn't laugh. Yeah, but your house isn't in order. Because if you were the kind of husband you needed to be, she. He just blesses Sarah all through this. This is like, wives, if you want a fun couple chapters. <laughs> Husbands be walking in this week. It'll just be open to Genesis 21. <laughs> Pastor said. Don't worry, I'll preach from Ephesians next week. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, Sarah introduces this, this issue of Hagar. Guys, you better hear me well. Good God Almighty, you better hear me well. When Sarah says, 
why don't you take the maid? Abraham should have said, no, 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 no. But he was a man, so he said, okay. Sarah made a student. I know we're in a different time, a different area, a different place, but you got to be careful. You, when you listen to your spouse, you better check whether or not your spouse has heard from God. Oh, I guess I'll stay there for a second. You better be careful who validates your actions. Well, my wife and I decided. I always have this question. What did God say? I'm a nightmare for some people because I ask this question every time. How did your fast go? Uh, it was a fast fast. <laughs> we fasted thought. Took some people a while. Did you catch that too? <laughs> we cannot expect a supernatural work and cut God out of the equation. We're going to produce something for the glory of God. Don't you think he should be the root of it then? He connects with Hagar and there is an occurrence where Ishmael is produced, and it, it is a young man who's going to end up growing and having the promise of God spoken over his life, not because of Hagar, in spite of Hagar, because the root of Hagar is Egypt, and any blessing that comes to the product of Egypt is in spite of. It's because of something that's been pulled out of Egypt. Something that has been drawn out. Say drawn out. I need you to catch that. Drawn out of Egypt. The blessing that would come. She has a child. And you need to know this. We all need to understand this. Old Uncle Abe, he loved Ishmael. That was his son. Men, that was his boy. First boy he ever played catch with. Ishmael, daddy's boy. Throw the slider, throw the slider, throw the slider. Just a little boy. I spent time together, loved Ishmael. But the truth of Ishmael, please catch this. The truth of Ishmael's nature was not revealed until Isaac was revealed. Ishmael would become known as the son of the flesh. And Isaac would be the son of the spirit. The son of promise. And the son of the flesh of Ishmael. His true nature was not revealed until the promise was revealed. Because it's not until Isaac is on the scene. Because God, listen, God gave them a word 
that Abraham and Sarah, not Abraham and Hagar, Abraham and Sarah were going to have a child. Isaac was going to come. He was going to be produced. He was going to be carried in her womb. He was going to be birthed. And he was going to be the lineage of promise. It was going to happen. But you've got at least a 10-year difference between the two boys. And in Genesis 21, where we're reading here, we see this interaction play out for the first time. And here's probably about a three-year-old because there is a lot of argument among theologians about the time of weaning when a child was taken. But, but, but the most average and agreed upon is somewhere between two and three years old that the child was completed. And, and here he is. Isaac is here. And so you've got some 10-year difference, probably a 12 or a 13-year-old Ishmael who's here and has been nothing but daddy's boy. But when mama watches, she sees the way that Ishmael interacts with her son. And he is mocking him because that which is of the flesh will always mock that which is of the spirit. And if you walk after the flesh, you cannot tell. But when you're on this side of the promise, you recognize when things are trying to wreck the promise. And there are those who have tried to argue it away and say, well, you know, mocking there can really be interpreted a couple of other ways. He was maybe just in jest, just teasing with the boy. And then even another interpretation says, no, it's, it's not really that. It's, it's not that he was making fun or mocking the boy. He was just trying to, it, it's really trying to say that they were on equal playing field. Well, that's a problem because what's produced of the spirit is not on the equal playing field with that which is produced by the flesh. And our world, I'm convinced the enemy of our souls would be okay if we would simply buy that lie that what we can produce in the flesh is on the equal ground. Let's just let them play together in the dirt like there is no differentiation between the two. Because while the promise was birthed after, the promise came before. Please catch that point. While the promise may have came to fruition later, the promise itself came previous. It was when they were not willing to hold on for the promise that there was conceiving in the flesh to create a substitute. But mama watched this and she said, you get that woman. <laughs> you, hey, you get that woman? What woman? You know what woman. Every husband in this room knows all your wife has to do is give you a look. What woman? We gonna play this game? You tell that woman and her boy. Her boy, that's my son. Abraham is grieving over this promise. Well, pastor, was it really that big a deal? Go with me. Go with me in your Bible to the book of Galatians. I'm gonna show you how big of a deal it is. 
or every theologian that wants to try to reason it away, they've got to go to Galatians chapter four. You all right if we study this just a minute? Galatians chapter four, look at verse 21. Tell me, ye that this desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. Paul, who are you teaching? I'm writing to the church. I need the church at Galatians to understand what happened with Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. He who was after the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was by promise. Which things are an allegory? For these are the two covenants. The one from the Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai. What, Paul? Yes, Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with their children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than, than she which hath a husband. Now we brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, so is it now. Paul was telling the church, there has always been a persecution of the people of promise. It is as old as Abraham, Isaac, and Ishmael that there will always be a devious plan. Because when I read in Genesis 21 and I watch Abraham, please, please, please catch this. When I watch Abraham come to Hagar and the Bible says that he brings a little bit of food and puts water on her shoulder and on the shoulder of her boy. And I look at this, please catch this through Western eyes, through American eyes. And I watch him look at this, this lady who he's had this relationship with and who has been a slave and a bondwoman unto them. And I watch him look into the eyes of this child that I know he's loved and has grieved him in his spirit. He would not, he did not want to let them go until the Lord said, your wife is right. Let them go. And I watch him give them a little bit of food and a little bit of water and send them packing into the wilderness. I want to look at Abraham and say, what are you doing? And if I'm not careful, 
I want to reason away right action because it does not match with my American philosophy of rightness. Well, you cannot do that because you're not showing the love of Christ. Oh, that one's used all the time. If you really had the love of Christ, you wouldn't do that. If you really had the love of Christ, you would. I heard my, I heard my friend. You're going to help me. I'm a, Brother Kilman. if you really had the love of Christ, you would coddle the production of sin. You wouldn't be mean enough to send them into the wilderness. And the truth is, if I do not send them into the wilderness, God cannot intervene for the miraculous in their life. I can never get them to stop living after the flesh, thinking they're entitled to my promise because they bear my name. And there's some people whose kids will never grow up. I don't know how old they are, but at some point they need to live on their own. Oh, I'm going to preach it then. As long as Ishmael thinks, I'm just going to hand him everything. I'm just going to do everything. While Sarah really is the mother of promise, standing in the corner, tapping her toes. And I'm over here with my American philosophy saying, we can't kick him out. He's my boy. He looks like me. And Sarah's over here. Yeah, but he looks like her too. He look, but Sarah, you said, I wasn't thinking clear. Don't act like Sarah's the only one that ever had time when she wasn't thinking clear. Aren't you glad that you, while you produce some things, unfortunately, while in the flesh, God gave you the chance to come to an altar and say, I'm going to send this thing out of my life. If, if any glory's going to come out of this, it's going to have to become. But how can Isaac thrive while he's holding hands with Ishmael? How is Isaac supposed to be the heir of the promise while Ishmael's always a little older? While Ishmael's right there in the mix of it all. And yet there's the issue, isn't it? There's the issue in our American culture so frankly placed right in front of all of us. Let's have both. Let's have both. Let's not say that one religion is right and one religion is wrong. Let's, let's, let, 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 let's do this. Let's not say that Isaac's the promise. And this, no, 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 no. Let's just say they're both good boys. Ishmael, he's a little wild, but he's daddy's boy. Isaac, oh yeah, he's, he's prompt. No, 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 don't, don't, don't say he's promised because that'll make it seem like he's the only righteous one. Uh, let's not do, let's just say they... They both resemble parts of their dad. They do. But one resembles the spirit side and one resembles the flesh. And Abraham, if you're going to do this right, you're going to have to step up and be a man and send that woman and send that boy into the wilderness. Pastor Carson, that's horrific that he did it. No, no, it's not. It's the same challenge that God is calling us to today. He is asking us, why do we think that we can keep in our life that which we produce by the flesh and expect blessing to come out of it? I'm here to tell you that...
Whether anybody likes it or not, there is still only one way that is right. There is still only one message that is true. There is one Lord. There is one faith. There is one baptism. There is one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. And here's the truth. Here's the truth, ladies and gentlemen. There have been all kinds of things produced by the flesh. Started with good intentions that turn into doctrines of devils. That's, that's harsh. It's just the Bible. <laughs> it's just the Bible. Well, I love God, but I love Ishmael. I love the promise, but I love Ishmael. Somebody needs to hear me right now. Somebody that is on the verge of producing an Ishmael in your life needs to hear me right now. Because God prompted me very clearly that someone is about to create an Ishmael in your life. You're about to take matters into your own hands. You're about to go ahead. I don't... God told me I was going to get that better job a long time ago. Nothing has happened. I'm going to, whatever, I'm going. I got a promise from God that things were going to work out a long time ago. They still haven't worked out, so I'm going to take this into my own hands. Well, you're going to have an Ishmael, and you're going to have a life full of regret ahead of you. And you're going to have division between brothers that's going to be a lot bigger than you. Don't you think, Abraham, that you can do this, and it only affects you? Don't you think that you can produce something that will not become a strenuous reality for years and generations to come? They'll be fighting for generations over your foolish decision. You better make... I'm reaching for somebody that's been eyeing Hagar. I'm reaching for somebody that's been looking across the way at a Hagar in your life. And I don't know if it's finances. I don't, it might actually be another woman. Or for some of you ladies, Hagar might be a man. And you think you're going to produce... Hear me right now. You cannot produce genuine happiness outside of the will of God. You cannot... We cannot manufacture genuine happiness outside of the perfect will of God. So, pastor, what do we have to do? I'm going to tell you what we have to do. We have to cling to the promise that came from God. God said it's going to happen. Have you seen it? No, no, no. But God said it's going to happen. And when people, because here's the deal, people go walk up and get in your ears. Because I've always found that people that refuse to be spiritual try to recruit others. Come on, how many know I'm telling the truth right now? That's why people... Can I just preach how I feel? I'm going to, so say go ahead. Uh, here's the deal. Brother Zach, I found this to be true over and over again. People that start to backslide always won't take people with them. Come on, who knows I'm preaching the truth? Some of you parents and grandparents in here, somebody started to backslide and then they wanted to start hanging around your kid. I think you ought to just be one of those parents that said, nope. Nope. I, this may sound harsh to some, but every now and then you got to tell your kid, we don't hang, I don't want you to hang around them for a while. 
That's not the love of God. If you love them, you got to reach for them. Don't you misunderstand what I'm preaching? I preach about reaching for the lost all, all the time. I, I, I'll sit down with anybody, but I will not put my children on the altar of. No, no, no. While you got some heathen that wants to go walking around. I'm telling you right now, it happens. They want to look at pornography and want to take your kid with them. They want to go vape and take your kid with them. They want to go drink and take your kid with them. When they know they ought to be in the altar, but they don't want to live right. Ishmael, you are not going to mock Isaac and me stand by and act like it's okay. Come on, Sarah. Come on, Sarah. I don't care whether Abraham ready to hear it or not. Sarah, you got to march in the room and say, we're not having it. You tell that woman, I feel a little, I feel a little righteous indignation on me right now. You tell that woman and you tell that boy, get out of town. Get out of town. Why? She's not going to mock the promise. You want to know the good news? Well, the trainer, the best news of the whole thing is even while, even while Ishmael mocked him, he never stopped being the promise. Well, let's let him stay because even if he mocks him, he'll still be the promise. Yeah, but if we leave the mocker around, some others might deviate from their acknowledgement of the promise. Pastor Carson, if you didn't preach all that stuff, some people might be more comfortable. Okay. Pastor, if you would just maybe, let's do this. Just settle down a little bit. Okay, okay. Just don't preach so, like, fanatical. Okay. Try not to sweat so much. Um, okay. You know what? Preach about truth, but the sin stuff. How about this? Preach about prosperity more. That'd be good. How about this? Talk about Isaac all the time. But stop talking about Ishmael. Just let him be. Just let him be. Well, all the while, that 13-year-old boy is looking at that three. What kind of 13-year-old picks on a three-year-old anyway? You want to get me really riled up? Tell me about an older student that's picking on a young kid. How many of you parents know that's when the ugly side of you comes out? You find out some kid. I know some of you dads. Your dads walk right out of your coat. You just walk right out of it. Yep. I know some of you dads in here. You take your belt off one-handed. You know you can. Got it down. One, two, three. Like Bobby Fisher playing chess. You just... I'm, I'm seven moves ahead of you, buddy. What kind of 13-year-old? But more than that, what kind of person lets it happen? Can I give you the answer to that? The kind of person that's not in tune enough to witness it. You know why Abraham is troubled at first? Because Abraham could not see past the fact that it was his son to see the mocking. Sometimes you can see, but not bear witness. Some, uh, sometimes, you, sometimes you can be there, but not really be there. 
There's all kinds of parents that are present, but not present. And there's people all around, but mama was not having it. Because Ishmael was not her boy. Ishmael was the 13-year-old jerk poking her boy. And mama was like a shark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what, moms? Let me just empower you right now. You don't need to sacrifice your children to any work of the flesh. What if I offend somebody? It's the number one thing I hear. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I want to do it tactfully. There's really no tactful way to handle sin. You're not, I mean, sin, the enemy's not one of those things where you walk up like, excuse me. Mr. Devil. If you wouldn't mind, see the, see the little guy. Yeah, the big one. He's got his, his face in the mud. See that, yeah, the one hit, he's hitting him in the head. Could you maybe, if you don't care, would you mind to maybe tell him that's not nice? There's not a mom in this room like that. Go, you go ahead and you go, you go to Freedom Park. Let your little kid come down the slide. Come on, mom. And some 10-year-old, push your four-year-old over. I felt, some of the moms almost lost the ghost just then. I, I, I felt it in the room. It's, not, it's just a pretend story. It's just, Bible said allegories. Just calm, just, some, sorry. Some of the husbands are going to deal with that all day. I'll tell you what I would do. I'll tell you right now what I would do. You know what I, you know me, I'm crazy. You know what I would do. There's not a mom in this room that would let that go physically. So why do we let it go spiritually? Why would we let it go? What do we do about it? I'll tell you what we do about it. We walk up in the spirit and we tell the enemy, get your clutches off of my kid. Get Ishmael out of I don't want him around my child. I don't want him near my child. I don't. It's why we pray. It's why we fast. It's why we get serious. It's why we get passionate. Praise God. Stand with me in this house. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? There's always going to be something mocking the promise. You've got to decide, and I've got to decide, whether I'm going to walk after the Spirit or walk after the flesh. As long as I produce things in the flesh, please hear me so clearly. As long as we produce things in the flesh, 
in the flesh, we should not be surprised when those same production, the reproduction of the flesh mocks the promise of God in our life. Because that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Ooh, I need you to lift your hands and pray with me. Ooh. My, my, my. I'm talking to somebody so clearly right now. I need you to hear me. The enemy has been trying to convince you to let go. Not to hang on. You're like a pilot that's been holding on to the escape ladder. You're, you've been hanging on and the enemy has been trying to convince you. Your promise will never have safe landing will never occur. Isaac will never appear. Let go. And I'm, I'm preaching to you this morning. You got to cling. You got to cling. You got to cling to the promise. If I'm preaching to you and the enemy's trying to get you to let go and trying to convince you to, to conceive an Ishmael, trying to get you to give in and do something that is not of God, but you're recommitting to cling to the promise, I want you to come. I want you to kneel at this altar and I want you to begin to tell God, I'm going to cling to the promise of God. If you're in this room today and somewhere along the way, it's okay. You made a decision and you, you wish you hadn't, but you made a decision. And now you're left with an Ishmael. You're, you're dealing with the consequences, but you're at a place right now where what's been produced in the spirit is trying to mock that which is being produced in the, or that which is produced in the flesh is trying to mock that which has been produced in the spirit. And you need some strength from God to drive that flesh out of your life. I don't know how to beat the addiction. I don't know. I don't know how to conquer this situation. I, I don't know how to drive this smell out. I need you to come to this altar and pray that God would give you the strength. I've done my best to deliver the clear word to you. But if you'll come to this altar or if you'll make an altar right where you're at, God will give you strength to deal with this. God will give you strength today.